We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Colm Kelly here, the executive producer of the Road of His Radio Podcast Network and co-host of the Road of His Overtime Podcast, along with the phenomenal Sean Siegel. The wait is over, the NFL season is here, and there's no better time than the present to sign up for a Road of His NFL Pass. You'll get access to all of our content, all of our tools, and everything you need to help you for that in-season success. As a loyal podcast listener, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL Pass just by adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Or go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information. Let's go get those championships. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Kenton podcast, the perfect show for any and every one of you college football or NFL fans. I'm your host, still Travis May, and I'm joined again by Stefan Lico. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Travis M. You can find Stefan at Stefan Lico, that's L-A-K-O, on Twitter. And, uh, you know, this this show, we, we say it at the, at the beginning of every, every single episode, but uh, the College to Kenton podcast i mean it's it's just about the journey of the best football players in the world from beginning to end recruiting journey through college through nfl draft season which we are in the middle of now uh all the way to the debate as to whether they should be in the pro football hall of fame and we always talk some fantasy football stuff because this is on rotoviz radio uh, but we always make sure to dive into some real college football and nfl analysis as well and uh, we know this week you guys are being inundated with uh, NFL Combine news and and uh, pictures of your favorite athletes and way too tight clothing. Uh, there's a reason why it's called the Underwear Olympics. Uh, it, it, it's everywhere uh, right now. But we are actually still diving into uh, a different dynamic right now. We'll get to NFL Combine analysis actually next week after we have all the information at our fingertips to actually break down what it means for running back here, tight end there, wide receiver there, and quarterbacks and how many quarterbacks have tiny hands, all that good all that good stuff uh, here in the near future. But we have been talking about transfer portal players because now more than ever, the transfer portal is a hot topic. And we're seeing more and more players transfer from college to college, from FCS to FBS, from FBS to FCS. Um, from one side of the country to the the other. And so we want to dive into the best transfer players all over the country because now more than ever, we're seeing players that actually hit. And when it works out for them in, in, in the transfer portal, they actually get a starting job and they actually get to the NFL. 
And so uh, that is just one of the most fun, in my opinion, uh, parts of uh, the journey these days in college football is just figuring out how many of these quarterbacks are going to transfer and all these other players are going to transfer. And so we're going to talk about running backs on this episode. And next we'll talk about wide receivers, all the best players in the country transferring to new places uh, in hopes to, you know, make it to the next level. Uh, but Stefan, uh, you ready to talk some running backs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, usually, you know, I'd expect someone to buy me a drink first before jumping straight in, but you know, we, we could, we can dive straight <laughs> into business Why here. Why I know. Um, we have a lot to talk about and, and, uh, and the and clock is ticking as always. <laughs> yeah. And, and given how we generally roll, if we don't jump right in, it'll go too long. So that's true. <laughs> Running backs, man, transfer running backs galore. I mean, I, I, I did the math on Rotoviz a couple years ago. Like, I guess it was the year after the transfer portal actually became a thing. Like, we, we it's it's really everywhere now, but it's only been around for a few years, right? And uh, transfer running backs didn't used to hit at all, but uh, we've seen you know a couple of guys hit here and there lately. I think the the biggest hit of all would probably be Alvin Kamara in terms of transfers, but. Um, there's definitely more and more guys that are going to hit. So uh, we talked about quarterbacks last week. Uh, shout out to the Andy Staples show. They were talking about how uh, they were talking transfers here recently, but they, they said something that I actually missed. I, I was looking through the 2018 class and I realized how many of those guys uh, in the quarterback class had transferred, but like only five of the top 15 quarterbacks had not transferred from the 2018 quarterback class. It's just crazy. How much? How many top players are transferring now? And that doesn't. It's not just quarterbacks. It's a lot of quarterbacks, but these running backs too. I think can hit. So let's let's jump in. I, I want to get your favorite transfer running back in this particular offseason. I think it's probably an obvious obvious answer. Uh, but uh, who's your favorite transfer running back? So it, it's. Pro- <laughs> Favorite is such a subjective term, Travis. I need parameters <laughs> and guidelines. I uh, no, I'm an no HR guidelines. guy. No, so so most interesting and favorite are two, or or maybe the biggest move in rankings um, is not how I'm answering this. My favorite, because that's the question you ask, yes, is, is Zach Evans, TCU to Ole Miss. Um, I kind of mentioned it last time about Jackson Dart moving over to Ole Miss. Like, I just think it's a fun team. It's a fun offense. I'm excited to see what Lane Kiffin can do with elite talent in Zach Evans' case. My concern, uh, I think we've talked about this so many times, uh, Evans has been a bit of a head-scratcher at times, even like through his recruiting process. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go down. Uh, but if he gets on the field, if he's able to work – his way into uh, some significant playing time, which I absolutely think will happen. Uh, Zach Evans could be just an exciting player. I mean, we saw what Jerry and Ely got to do in this offense. Uh, Zach Evans is bigger, stronger. He might be faster. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, that, I'm glad you mentioned him because there are a couple obvious names that we'll get to. Uh, one in particular here in just a second, but uh, Zach Evans... Uh, Former five-star guy, I, I I think he looks like uh, Nick Chubb really as a runner and uh, is on par with that level of talent. And so for him to go to TCU and be absolutely wasted there, that was kind of a shame. But now he goes from TCU to Ole Miss. And because of the one-time transfer rule that makes the portal more fun than ever now, uh, he's going to be immediately av- available to play. And 
get this jerry neely gone snoop connor gone henry parish another transfer we'll get to gone so literally basically all of the production at the running back position is gone like the the the, the guy who has the most work from last year's squad uh, that is returning at the running back position is Kentrell Bullock, who had 17 carries on the year. <laughs> so, right. yeah, it, it's going to look different. Matt Corral, quarterback's also gone. So they, they, they you know, they're bringing in Jackson Darton, bunch of new pieces, but he's going to have all the opportunity in the world to be one of the best, if not the best. Seriously, if not the best, I guess running back in the SEC by year's end. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It, it, it certainly is possible. And we know that <laughs> that offense will be um, come hooker by crook. Is that an expression? Well, let's just say it should be if it's not. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I feel like I do this way too often. <laughs> um, I think it's an expression, and I find out later that it wasn't. Um, I'm just going to make stuff up, though. Yeah, I mean, I just own it. I shouldn't ask questions, and I should just yeah. own it because people will be like, "Oh, that's a new one. Never heard that one before," and yeah. they will have no idea that we're just full of uh, goodness. Um, when all else no. fails, just be like, "Hey, I'm from a, a different country," you know, <laughs> right? Like a different country. Um, but he should, man. He should get all the opportunity to just produce. And I could, even if the offense itself struggles, I don't think he'll be the reason why. Um, so I think he'll still see a lot of work. Yeah, I think so too. I think there's just a perfect situation for him to come in, even if the overall offensive unit isn't super healthy. I don't see any way that he doesn't just cruise past a thousand yards, if not well more than that, and maybe a dozen or more touchdowns uh, and produce at an elite level. And he was already producing uh, incredibly efficiently in his time at Mm -hmm. TCU. So if he keeps any of that in the SEC, I think he's just going to coast at least day two capital, if not even higher, which is incredible. So glad we let kick things off with Zach Evans. We don't have to spend time on his bumpy road throughout recruiting and all that. Cause yeah, I think we've talked so much about that. We have on the show, but, but he's, he's in probably the best spot imaginable for him to succeed. Uh, my favorites. And again, didn't really jump super high in my rankings because he was already super high, but now it's basically all, but locked in that this guy's going to be a top 50 NFL draft pick in the very near future, probably next spring in 2023. And that is Mr. Jameer Gibbs uh, goes from Georgia tech to Alabama. And this is a player that, uh, you know, Alabama didn't even really need because they always bring in like 14 different running backs that are all somehow ranked in the top uh, one uh, players in the nation. That's how they roll. Um, it, it, it didn't really matter. They, they saw the talent. Uh, Jameer Gibbs was one of the best receiving backs. Great, great uh, contact balance. Uh, incredible production already on an offense that just was anemic, just terrible. Couldn't do anything outside of what Jameer Gibbs brought to the table. And so Alabama brings in a former top 100 recruit in Jameer Gibbs. They bring another one uh, in in the form of Jermaine Burton. We'll get to him later. Eli Ricks, a, a three top 100 players that they're bringing in through the transfer portal. Gibbs, of course, the running back. Uh, do you see any way that he's not going to just be a early, at least early round two uh, draft pick? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, of course, there's the injuries that could happen, but I know that's, you know, we don't draft considering that. I think the floor is, yeah, 
round two running back. I think uh, the question you you kind of answered or or posed hypothetically um, was like, will he be declaring next year? And to me, and and maybe I read this differently than others, uh, I think he solely moved from Georgia Tech to Bama to get drafted next year. Like to jump into the first, second running back overall status. And he may not have, he may have gotten that at Georgia Tech anyway, but going to Alabama, it's a sure thing. And I think it was definitely uh, a lot less to do about winning a national championship, although, yeah, sure, fun, uh, but a lot more to do with him personally getting uh, himself in the best position possible to be drafted early. Yeah. And and in that regard, he definitely situated himself uh, incredibly well. And seeing as Alabama is kind of, well, for Alabama standards, has kind of struggled uh, at running back lately. And, uh, you know, they don't exactly have a proven alpha like Najee, uh, Najee, uh, I almost said Najee, Najee Harris. Yeah, I was like, Najee Sanders, what am I saying? Najee, I, I, I think I was mixing Emmanuel Sanders, who's actually joining them this year with <laughs> Najee Harris. But anyway, they don't have a Najee Harris. They have a bunch of guys that he was like, hey, I'm actually better than all these guys. So I'm just going to go right. in at least, and, and at worst be a 1A there. And so I think he's going to smash, and I think he's going to test really well. Uh, he's got the pedigree. He's got the receiving ability. Uh, he's got good enough size. He's not like a you know, 230 pound uh, banger, but you know, he's, he's a big enough kind of back with uh peak receiving yard market share, like almost 25% for Georgia tech. So, you know, Alabama has got receiver receiver questions, but man, they, they could build an offense in a way that they really never have and work through a, a primary receiving back next year and Gibbs and be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think to uh, Georgia tech kind of, you know, this trans, this transformation they've been trying to go through these last couple of years from like the, uh, the uh, heavy option, no passing to, you know, just bad at passing. <laughs> um, I, I think he had to carry a, an awful lot of that offense on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And while he won't have to do that at Alabama, I think, I think Saban will like the fact that that's within his arsenal um, and if he does, you know, like Alabama saw a lot of injuries these last couple of years in the receiving core, and they've had an, a, a phenomenal athlete to take over and be able to put up production of two <laughs> receivers in Jamison Williams and um, Devonta Smith the year before. If they don't have that, they're going to need something else. And like you said, uh, Jameer Gibbs being able to catch the ball could be uh, a really exciting weapon for them. I just think about like how the Patriots just use, uh, and maybe this is, we don't have to get into all that, but I could just see him doing like what James White does for the Patriots. A lot of times too, where the running game isn't working. If the receivers aren't doing much, all of a sudden you just see so yeah, much work. Other than passing yeah. Game. yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And it's funny. I, I act like Alabama's receiving room isn't stacked. They, they, they've got like nine, top 100 players still in their wide receiver room right now. So right. But, uh, yeah. but none of them, none of them, but a lot of them were there last year and nothing, they, they needed someone from outside to come in and, and yeah. take the load. Um, so yeah, exactly. while we expect that to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. You never know. Somebody, somebody's going to step up. And if they don't, they'll just put Gibbs at running back and wide receiver and he'll have yeah. a thousand yards and it'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah. So Gibbs and Evans, uh, one, two punch, uh, obvious names at the top and, and transfer. But after this, uh, why don't we jump over to your real favorite 
running back transfer in yep. this class. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, you just go no further than um, <laughs> two Pac-12 running backs going to another Pac-12 school. And I think I, I know you were you were teeing me up for some Travis Dye um, expose, but honestly, I'm excited about Austin Jones leaving because now maybe we get to see uh, is it EJ Smith? Uh, Emmett Smith's yeah, Emmett Smith's son, son over, at Stanford, yeah. over at Stanford. Maybe now he gets the bulk of the carries and gets to run away with that backfield, and that would be super fun. Um, I, I do like Travis Dye and Austin Jones leaving for what it does to their respective teams. Like all joking aside, um, this this will open up things for Cardwell um, in Oregon and. As we just mentioned, EJ Smith and Stanford, both those guys should have the opportunity to increase their workload by a lot, especially um, in Oregon, where Carwell was a yeah. highly ranked recruit. Um, they they do have some other talent, but like we were talking about before the show, Oregon's seen a lot of dudes take off in the transfer portal. Sean Sean Dollars um, took off, uh, Benson took off. Like it's it's really just going to be. Um, Cardwell and uh, Seven McGee. So um, he could have an absolute monster year. I don't know what this means for USC. Um, we've seen that Travis Dye has been able to do a lot of work as the second option at running back. Uh, even the beginning of last season and in, in the years before, uh, CJ Verdell was the man. You know, CJ Verdell was getting more looks, and Travis Dye would spell him and just average 10 yards a touch for a year you know like so yeah. he can do a lot with a little and i wouldn't be surprised to see lincoln riley kind of utilize him as that yes he's shown that he can run the ball but he really is a uh, very dangerous coming out of the backfield and uh, I, I think that usc will want to use him in that way and uh although i mean it'll be interesting to see what USC does. They've had so many transfers next week when we or later this week, when we talk about wide receivers, like their, their wide receiver room is seeing a, a whole new look as well. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, Cause we were talking about USC at the top of all of these transfer podcasts. So um very curious to see what happens, uh, but I do think Travis Dye will play a significant role um, on their offense from a, uh, impact plays if you want to count that but i don't think this helps him uh for like if anyone had hopes for fantasies for uh, nfl fantasy I, i'm just not sure he is going to make a difference given his uh, lack of size and uh, i just don't think that he'll amount to much more than like a receiving back in the nfl if that yeah and i will say you know as much as uh, lincoln riley has I think some people, when they look at the recent usage of the Sooners backfield um, outside of this past season, when Kennedy Brooks kind of took things over, uh, a lot of people were thinking Eric Gray and he would share a bunch of work, uh, thinking that it would be like a committee, like it seemed it was back in 2020. But Lincoln Riley actually really does like having a lead back. Like Ramondre Stevenson, once he was back and clearly the best option for them, he rode Ramondre Stevenson like for almost 900 yards from scrimmage in like the last six games, like he right. likes to go with a premier feature back. And he did that even um, in stints in 2019. I mean, Kennedy Brooks had three 1100 yard seasons for Oklahoma uh, under Lincoln Riley because he likes to use a, a kind of a feature back and a mobile quarterback. And so I'm not sure that Travis Dye and Austin Jones are both going to smash this year. I think it's probably going to be one of them. Um, 
you know, mm-hmm. Travis Dye is uh, kind of a super senior. You know, I think he's going to be like 23, like now. Uh, Austin Jones <laughs> is coming into his uh, senior season or senior uh, year of eligibility. And so I don't know. I, I, I think given the skill sets, given what they've done already, I think my money would be on Travis Dye taking the lead. Uh, but whoever does kind of smash this year, I think could sneak into some kind of draft capital. Uh, but I'm not sh- certain that it's going to be early, though. I, th- I think you're real. Yeah. I think you're right that Tr- Travis Dye can be a receiving back. Austin Jones could be a good one B or somebody to come in and, and be a replacement that's a freebie ad uh, via you know uh, pickup and redraft leagues and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm not sure that either really blow up in the NFL. But there are several other guys who I think still could in the running back group. And we'll even sneak some tight ends uh, in here for you too. But uh, Was that first, a plural? Was that a plural uh, tight ends? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> sneak some tight ends here for you uh, as well. But first, uh, just a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. So I said that there were, you know, there are actually other running backs who could hit in this uh, transfer kind of class this year, and I believe it. I think that there are a couple of guys that uh, kind of messed up each other's uh, chances of featuring in a really good offense, though. That uh, only one of them is probably going to absolutely go off in, in a really good offense that loves to feature running back. And I'm talking about, of course, because everyone has heard of both of these players. I'm sure, maybe not, Jalen Berger, running back, Wisconsin. Uh, to Michigan State, and also Jarek Broussard coming from Colorado to Michigan State. Uh, I don't think both of them are going to go off uh, in that offense. We just saw Kenneth, uh, almost said Kenneth Gainwell. Man, my brain's broken tonight. Kenneth Walker III <laughs> uh, almost, you know, when the Heisman, he was at least in the conversation down the stretch, uh, being kind of in the semifinal mix there uh, because of what they asked him to do and building the offense around him. Uh, my initial thought was, oh, it's obviously going to be Jalen Berger. Uh, but I think that was just a little bit of my kind of Debbie background and 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 thinking that because Berger was a, a big kind of feature build, strong enough, fast enough to be the guy at Wisconsin, even, the, even though he kind of washed out there and, and it was kind of a mess. Um, thinking he'd just slot in at Michigan State, 
get his second chance and blow up. But Jarek Broussard is, is a talented back. And being from out west, uh, you're already familiar with him, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, but who, who would your bet be on uh, in the Michigan State backfield this year? Because they could be somebody that comes out of nowhere and finds themselves in 2023 draft discussions right away. Yeah, uh, and I like that we kind of have different takes on this because uh, I, I totally think this is Jarek Broussard's job uh, to lose. The dude, he's small, but it's, it's you know, it's college football. It's not as big of a deal yet. Uh, he, he's 5'9", 185, um, so not not as, as thick as maybe we'd like. But uh, if you watched Colorado's offense this last year, um, you, well, you're on something because the how you didn't fall asleep in the middle of their games, I do not know. <laughs> their offense was atrocious. Um, and the only bright spot in it was occasionally you get to see Jarek Broussard um, break one off. And uh, he averaged almost five yards rushing this last year on just behind a horrible offensive line and a quarterback who could neither run uh, nor pass. Uh, so really unfortunate there. And in his... Um, in the 2020 season, he was electric. He, he had almost, he had just under 900 yards rushing, um, and averaged close to six yards a carry. He had, he had a really solid year and he's just a dynamic back. So now all of a sudden, if we're talking about him behind a, a, a pretty good Michigan state line, um, I think he could absolutely smash. He has that home run potential that we saw, uh, Kenneth Walker, um, utilize this year for some of those huge gainers. Um, I think Broussard could really, even if he doesn't start off as a lead back, I could see himself playing into it just at big play after big play. And I do worry a little bit about Jalen Berger um, just because he did kind of, uh, I don't know. He, uh, he got in bad with the, with the staff and that's often a, a player problem. Now, sometimes a change of environment can, can write that ship, but I'm nervous that uh, there could be it could be a head issue, and they just trust Broussard more. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of us thought um, Burger was going to be the guy, and and when they brought in Ches Malusi and um, you know started playing him some, and then Burger missed some time. I think he tweaked something, but then I, he wanted to be healthy and back. And one game, he actually came in like halfway through the first quarter. Like he, he wasn't even actually on the field until like halfway through the first quarter and then got some action. It was, it was really was uh, a strange year. And then he transferred out and then Braylon Allen goes off and it's like, man, that could have been Jalen Berger. Um, but but could it have been, but could it have been, I don't think it would have been quite that dominant, but I, the opportunity was right. It was yeah. clear that there was huge opportunity. Braylon Allen be, was the one that ended up benefiting from that. But yeah, it, a seventeen-year-old, like, <laughs> like yeah, right. I mean, he just turned eighteen. What in December? But um, crazy, uh, incredible uh, freshman year there. But yeah, I, I think uh, I, the more and more I think about it, I'm leaning towards Jarek Rashard because I think he doesn't have the head issue. He he's a little bit undersized, but for college purposes, I think he's big enough. Yeah. Um, and he's he's definitely electric enough. And if we look back, to, even back when he was just a recruit, uh, what he was really good at uh, that differentiated his game. It, it is something that Michigan State hasn't really asked their backs to do, but he was basically a receiver. Like he, he was mm-hmm. coming in, he was designated as an athlete because he could have played wide receiver. He could have played running back. He could have played defense. 
he, he was just all over the place. And in fact, and I believe it was his final year of high school. He had almost had, he almost had 50 receptions. So the guy uh, is a dynamic running back, a dynamic receiver. He, he wasn't used in that way very much at Colorado, probably because the quarterback couldn't hit him if they even wanted him to. <laughs> yeah. But, they may have been trying. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I, I don't know. He might've had a hundred targets. I missed it. But, um, but yeah, so Broussard, I think I'm leaning Broussard. And so I think I'm going to have to dock Berger like way down my ranks and move Broussard up because he could be that guy that comes out of left field. And yes, he's going to be a little bit undersized, but sneaks into some draft capital uh, thanks to the opportunity at Michigan State. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, the expectation, I mean, Michigan State has maybe uh, not so quietly now uh, been producing really quality running backs to the nfl yeah. you know like oh yeah it wasn't that i mean Le'Veon bell is not quite as old as we think he is you know and no, and there's I, been I, a couple in between there um mm-hmm. too so they're uh it, it's interesting um yeah. but yeah Jeremy let's look, yeah, that's a name yep <laughs> <laughs> yes it is um let's move on to another guy that uh won me a little bit of money on dfs one week um <laughs> tyon evans moving from tennessee to louisville um what are your thoughts on this? And what are your thoughts on like Louisville had so many people transfer out halfway through the year last year or opt out, forget how it was phrased. Um, do you want, do you worry about the culture there at all for, for players heading that direction? Not really. That not, question's no, a little out of left field. Maybe I don't no, know. I, no, I, I'm really not though. I, I think, uh, I think a lot of people might have concern about Tyon Evans because he was, uh, the best Juco transfer uh, running back coming into last season. Uh, but he, you know, when he originally committed to Tennessee, it was w- with one coaching staff. Uh, and then he came in and it was with another coaching staff. And bravo to him for actually sticking it out. I mean, that was a, a mess of a situation. Uh, Tennessee looked like it could be in real hot water. Uh, but they brought <laughs> yeah. in, yeah, but they brought in Heupel and he fixed the offense and Hennon Hooker fixed the offense and uh, it all came together. But uh, Tyon Evans missed some time, uh, but had really like three solid games. He had that crazy three touchdown game against Missouri. I think that was probably what you're alluding to with the DFS yes. stuff. But, yeah, because uh, Missouri was also real bad against. Oh yeah, they were like backs. the worst rush defense. In, it was in the beautiful. <laughs> but you know, Evans looked really good. Like in his first several games, he was averaging like 15, 16 touches per game. And if he can come in and have that kind of workload and impact. Uh, for Louisville in what could be his final year before declaring for the NFL uh, NFL draft, uh, he could be somebody that rises quickly because this this dude's like a big bowling ball, uh, but he can also make you miss and he can all, also catch passes. Uh, he didn't didn't have to do a bunch of that uh, last year in terms of, of catching passes, but he can do it. Uh, you know, if you I don't know how many people watch JUCO tape, but if you, <laughs> if you do, uh, you'll be impressed by by Tyon Evans and what he brings to the table from every angle. But he's like five uh, five ten, five eleven, two hundred and twenty pounds, like legit. So he's got kind of feature back build, um, and I think he's going to test faster than a lot of people think when it's all uh, said and done. So uh, Tyon Evans could be a name to watch at Louisville, even if they don't bring a bunch of running backs uh, to the NFL. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I don't really have anything to add. Um, let's move up north to the uh, Big Ten. Well, from the Big Ten to the SEC. Noah Kane transferring from Penn State to LSU. I'd like to hear your thoughts on Noah Kane. Um, most of my uh, exposure to him is through uh, our mutual 
colleague, Matt Wispay. And uh, you know how he, you can probably guess how he feels about any Penn State running back. Uh, so, so it's always Kane is trashed. Uh, what are your thoughts on Noah Kane? Do you think um, him moving to LSU moves the needle at all from an NFL perspective or uh, college DFS or even CDC? Yeah, I think Noah Kane, LSU needs kind of a, a feature back to, to rely upon. Like that's their brand, man. Like they've had some really But do you good think he can be that guy? I think he can. Uh, and I think they need him to be like, we have, I'm done waiting for John Emery to, to get in, in the mix. Like there's been just academic issue after other issue there for him. Um, they have, uh, they had the one freshman last year. Uh, I can't even remember, remember his name right now off the top of my head. This is terrible. My brain is just really off tonight. Um, but like he really could come in. And if he looks like the Noah Kane of before, I mean, he has had injuries, but uh, if he looks like the Noah Kane of before, he could slot in and be the lead back from day one. Um, I'm not I'm not saying that's a lot to happen, uh, but yeah, I mean, Tyreen Davis Price for some reason decided that he was going to go pro, and he had an underrated season, I guess, last year. I think he did creep his way up to a thousand yards. And oh yeah, it's um, it's Corey Kiner. That's the, that's the other guy. Uh, hmm. So he's probably going to be competing, I guess, uh, but. Seriously, Noah Kane could be in a really good spot uh, to see significant work uh, early on. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I keep forgetting that price declared for the NFL. That just seems like a misstep. But um, watch him go way before all the guys I like. He'll go before Kenneth Walker somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add to him either. Um, I think, you know, the injury thing is interesting. I think it's been really hard to uh, to get a read on him because you just don't get to watch him play all that much. Um, yeah. But you you mentioned this guy's name earlier, um, leaving Ole Miss to Miami. Uh, one, Henry Parrish. They've got a new um, coaching staff there in Miami, uh, a staff that uh, likes to run the ball. Mario Cristobal, if he likes to do one thing, it's play sound defense and run the football. And then even when you start utilizing that the passing game it's usually horizontal and not vertical which does often include a running back so henry parish um going to miami what do you think about this move i kind of like it for him personally i i think uh i think he was probably not going to be used that much in ole miss especially with uh evans who we talked about coming in um but but what do you think for parish um his opportunity here in miami yeah, so I think Miami, uh, we liked the running backs there. I mean, we, we've liked Cameron Harris off and on. We liked Jalen Knighton off and on, but he was not efficient at all. Uh, Thad, Thad Franklin, I think, is still there. Uh, Don, Donald Cheney, I think, is still there. But I think Henry Parrish could be the most electric, uh, quick, uh, make you miss, and is strong enough um, to succeed kind of back there immediately. Uh, Henry Parrish is, is a guy that, he was a little underweight coming into college as a recruit, but he was very fast. Like he was running in like four, four sixes, I think way back 2017, 2018 was his first kind of verified uh, kind of camp times. And so he's got crazy, crazy speed. And for a moment there, he was actually almost looking like the lead back ahead of Ely and uh, Snoop Connor there for a few weeks last year. And I, I was kind of surprised that he transferred uh, out when he did, but I guess he, he saw that uh, the, the staff was probably going to bring in somebody else like Zach Evans, and uh, he needed to pursue a better opportunity 
to potentially feature. And so he goes to play for Cristobal. And, uh, you know, if you're coming in, transferring to uh, play for Cristobal, uh, it might be that he's kind of his guy. And so he might ride his hot hand early on, or at least give him the first look. And so Parrish could be somebody who rises quickly uh, if he smashes for Miami, especially if it's while Miami's on the upward uh, trajectory that I, I think that they will be on this year because they had some young talent that start started click, clicking last year, even especially at the quarterback position at Tyler Van Dyke, and so they offensively they could really start to look good. And if Parrish is at the, the I guess the center center piece of that, uh, I think it could be good things for his NFL future, uh, and he could go ahead of any of the guys, any, any of the four names we just mentioned, maybe even ahead of you know Travis Dye and Austin Jones, ahead of anybody. Uh, and that we'll talk about on this show besides Ed, like Zach Evans and Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I do think, um, I think it's going to be a, a good landing spot for him with just like Cristobal does not like taking big risks and he likes to be in, he likes to be in every game. And so that is, you know, he would rather lose by four, um, <laughs> than, you know, risk losing by 32, even if it would increase his chances of winning. Like he's not going to abandon the run game ever. Uh, and that's a good thing for a running back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think he'll get good play. Uh, before we uh, jump into the the tight ends, uh, we've got a name here of a, of, a, of a gentleman who has yet to determine where he will be playing. Um, and uh, that is Kamar Wheaton. We talked about him um, last episode for just a, a brief moment. Um, I'm sure we will talk about him like when he does decide it will be part of our, uh, hey, breaking news before we jump into the meat of the show. Let's talk about Kamar Wheaton. Um, yeah. So we're still waiting to hear from him. But of course, uh, as you pointed out um, last time, super high uh, pedigree, former five star uh, recruit. We'll be interested to see where he lands. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, there were questions as to whether he could be like a receiving uh, weapon. He didn't really have much experience doing that, even even in high school, which is kind of a little, a little odd for for running backs to have almost none of that, unless you're coming from like an option offense. Um, but he was coming in as a five star type talent uh, into a backfield that was vulnerable. But he actually himself found himself injured, and I'm not sure where he was academically, and I'm not sure even now if we really have proof that he was uh, in, in good academic standing. So he might actually be transferring out of necessity rather than, you know, transferring just because he wants a better opportunity. So I really have yeah. no idea where he's going to land. We, we just have to kind of wait and see on that situation. But tight ends, man, uh, transfers at tight end are usually incredibly boring. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's really bad in the most off seasons. But we have three names that I think could be uh, really fun. Uh, one, uh, a lot of people are probably familiar with him just because of the A on his helmet and Julio Billingsley moving from Alabama to Texas. Uh, and a bunch of other people may be familiar with Austin Stogner moving from Oklahoma to South Carolina. And both of those players, uh, we thought were going to have better seasons last year than they did. Uh, we thought, okay, Billingsley's probably going to figure it out. And nope, uh, Cameron Latu basically set that guy down on the bench and he didn't really do much uh, consistently. And Austin Stogner, uh, same deal. Like we thought, oh, obviously he's going to kind of take off, take the next step and and really wow. And uh, nope, uh, fullback slash tight end slash whatever the heck he was, Jeremiah Hall out snapped him. And uh, just a really odd situation. 
So it's not it's not going to follow his his quarterback or former quarterback uh, Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. Jaleel Bellingsley goes and looks for a new situation at Texas, and uh, I guess maybe because of his pre existing relationship with Steve Sarkeesian, and uh, you know he's he's in a spot where hopefully he can be targeted, um, and they like to uh, go after uh, their tight ends a little bit. Uh, in the receiving game, and I think Sark does as well. So both of those guys should be in for an uptick in receiving work, but I don't think either are in a good spot to be like the alpha receiver. Like, and even South Carolina, like they still have a proven tight end in like, a, what is his face, Jaheim Bell. So, man, I I don't know. Are you are you excited about one of those guys more than the other? No, not particularly. Um, I mean, Billingsley is interesting just because we hoped – that he was going to be something last year, you know? So it's interesting to see what happens. And then Stogner's interesting because um, he's still going to be with Spencer Rattler. And yeah. it's interesting to see. But it's like, oh, they're moving together. It's going to be, but they're still in the SEC. Like, you know, it's still going to be freaking hard for them. They're going up against tough defenses. And uh, I don't know if Stogner is the quality player that uh, is really going to be able to elevate his game to a position that's, interesting enough for uh for any sort of Debbie or college to Canton. I mean, maybe college to Canton late, but I mean I'm not I'm not gonna be trying to acquire him in a trade or something like that. You know, like he's not a target for me. Yeah, but I think at this point, I think most well, both of these guys might be rather uh cheap to acquire in a lot of leagues and they might already be on on deeper leagues as well. Like I think just a year ago, uh both of these guys were in like top five, top six, seven Oh yeah, uh, Billingsley was conversations. We were excited about. I was excited about Billingsley. I had him ranked super high for, or, or among tight ends. And uh, if I didn't, if I don't already have him, I don't want him now. <laughs> you no. know, no. And I think there might still be one more by low window, especially like if we see a week for Stogner where Jaheim Bell is the featured tight end that grabs a couple of touchdowns, or Billingsley is ignored one week as as Xavier Worthy grabs another three touchdowns, uh, and so. Because that's all he does, but um, right. uh, just have to get that uh, yeah, every episode, absolutely. every single episode. You, you know the drill: Xavier Worthy, wide receiver one. But um, yeah, I think both of them could be good targets. That regardless of their production at the collegiate level, given the upside of, of their ability, uh, this the, the raw athleticism and uh, the size for Stogner, and I, I think he, uh, I think that, well, really both of them could get some kind of draft capital. Uh, even though they've had kind of a bumpier ride. Uh, but the, the third guy I want to mention is Michael Trigg. And that's a name that I bet a bunch of people listening to the show do not know uh, at all. Uh, and that's because he was uh, a USC tight end last year. And uh, he didn't see much action at all because he was injured. I think he only had seven catches on the year. Um, and he missed most of the time. Uh, but I, it was kind of odd that he actually even went out to USC in the first place. Like he was a, a Florida kid, four-star a lot of people had him going somewhere in the SEC, uh, but he somehow, even though USC had been failing to to pull kids like him out west here recently uh, under the former regime, they managed to get Michael Trigg. Uh, but he apparently uh, wanted to get a, get out of town, so he transferred, goes to Ole Miss, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity for him to immediately be the best tight end on the team and maybe one of the best uh, receiving options on the team uh, at all. Um, he's a legit 6'4", 250 plus at this point and fast and, uh, you know, just really athletic 
and I think he's got great ball skills. He just hasn't really been able to demonstrate those at the collegiate level. Uh, but Michael Trigg was a guy that I believed in and actually snagged in a couple spots in college and leagues uh, as he came in as a true freshman, just because he was so, so, so uh, cheap uh, late in most drafts. Um, and because I believed in, th- in the talent and he's, he's coming to a pass happy scheme that uh, has shown they can throw to uh, slot options or tight ends. So what are your thoughts on Trigg? Yeah, I, I feel differently about him than the other two. I think this is a great opportunity to buy someone bef- before the price elevates because, um, like you said, he's going to be in a very, very good situation. And it was only, what, a year, like two years ago that Kenny Yaboa got draft cap or at least got made it to the NFL, you yeah, know. Um, and and I don't remember if he was drafted or if he was an uh, undrafted free agent, but he's on the Jets. <laughs> That's all I know. Um and so, like we we know that this offense can can utilize weapons, and if he has the opportunity um, to get on the field, he has the opportunity to produce, and uh, could be really exciting. So this this would be someone like don't let anyone know you're after him. Kind of be like, oh yeah, I need a tight end. Maybe throw in uh, throw in Trig at the end of this deal. It's uh, just to get this done to get it over the line, and then you sneakily get your guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's about all the time we have for running backs and some tight end talk on today's episode. But stay fun. Uh, you know, you can leave a rating review if you want to, and I will as well. I, I will. I, I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> but listeners, you can do the same. Leave a rating review that helps the show. Leave a question in your uh, review, or you can even uh, reach out to us with a question you want to have on the show or a topic you want to have on the show. And the show is not just our show; it's 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 yours as well. And we know uh, you guys. Uh, always actually have some good topics uh, and ideas and questions. So please leave those in your rate and review. Um, And we'll be covering a bunch of the combine stuff, like I said, here soon. But got one more episode of the wide receiver stuff. Uh, Transfers coming up here for you in in the near future. But uh, expect the NFL combine goodness uh, immediately, you know, after uh, all the numbers come in. But uh, until next time, you guys take care and be uh, looking for some more College to Canton podcast episodes in the near future.